And I think that gets rid of a lot of problems. Problems yeah. of perception, a mind-body problem. Well, also... Hard problem of consciousness. Also, I think, though, it's about awareness at base a little bit. I mm-hmm. think awareness is a more fundamental principle than consciousness, and it's non-self-awareness. Like, mm-hmm. you have an awareness that is unrelated to consciousness that we know. Maybe it's yeah. related to a higher states of consciousness well, or something, you he know? He calls it phenomenal consciousness, but yeah, it is sure. inherently unreflective. Sure. And what we... When, when you start getting complex organisms, you start getting getting metacognition, meta-awareness, but that's what we think about, typically, when we think about consciousness, but... He, when he's talking about the consciousness of atoms, he's certainly not saying it's identical. It, it doesn't have metaconsciousness, but exactly. it is inside of it. Is and Schopenhauer talks about this as well in his own way. He talks about inside of it. Yeah. We can understand the what it's like to be a subatomic particle because we share this will. Like, well, see, I think it's because, in a sense, mind is suffused into every plank degree mm-hmm. of reality. So yeah. if the conditions arise from mind, it's going to arise in whatever body mm. it it will. So, it, but the thing is, it seems like life has found it. Mm. Life found spirit or something, and then started building bodies to modify it and use it. Mm. Like 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 life found a source of energy it called mind, mm. and this source of energy it calls mind can modify energy in a way mm. that gets more, like, gets more structure out of the energy that it's using. It Mm. makes and builds structures instead of falling into entropy. It creates and builds up more complex structures and more and more complex structures, Mm. you know? And, like, this nature, that, like, that, the idea that mind, or something that we call mind, but the underlying nature of mind, the Mm. thing that is, is, like, is suffused in everything, like, because it, it, it clears it, it up a little bit, you know. Because then, if worm, even if it's a worm, it's got a bunch of neurons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have exactly the same thing we have. It's just going to be smaller, mm-hmm. you know. Or it's just going to be not even smaller. It's just going to be. It's going to be the same thing, just like uh, scaled, scaled mm-hmm. down. Like it's not even smaller. It's just a scaled down version of the thing yeah. we have, you know. Well, I think it's very interesting. It was the the dude that was talking about evolutionary game theory and about how yeah. Um, it would be it's almost it's basically zero that we would be selected to be able to to observe reality directly yes accurately yes like it's all about fitness payoffs you're saying like yes fitness payoffs don't correspond to reality yeah and you use the analogy between the electronic components of a computer and and the visualization the dashboard on the screen yeah how uh radically different they are from each other he's saying sure our relation to ultimate reality is probably like that like yes we have a very good dashboard that is directly the result of uh, fitness pay- payoffs yeah. developing over a lot, you know, extremely long periods of time. Yeah. But ultimately, that doesn't survivability has nothing to do with the accuracy yeah. about the nature of reality or what it, it really well, is. Well, see, like, well, the thing is though, like, your neurons, like, think about your neuron. Your neurons are more complex than anything, mm-hmm. almost on Earth, and yeah. yet we never have to mention them at all when mm-hmm. we talk. And most of people go their whole lives without ever mentioning their neurons mm-hmm. or how they work or how they're functioning or how they fire. Like, and generations, thousands of generations of people went around without knowing neurons existed, you mm-hmm. know? And neurons don't really exist. That's just a concept of what actually exists. Mm-hmm. But what actually exists looks like this concept we've created of a neuron. Well, yeah, that's, that's you know? an extremely a point he made that really 
uh, blew my mind. He was saying, like, neurons, we think of them as, the, like, the foundation of consciousness, but this is the mind's phenomenal representation of itself in the process, uh, the objective representation of itself in the process yes. of meditation, but it's not... But again, you you still fall back. That's a phenomenal representation. You're, when you're looking at neurons, you're you're still not looking at reality as it is in itself. Exactly. And they found too that some glial cells and a lot of the other cells do mm. just as much low heavy lifting uh, in mm. certain areas of perception than the neurons. Well, the point the point so, is, yeah, we think that the brain and the neurons and glial cells. We see we look at it and we say, okay, this is how the the consciousness arises. This is the underlying like physical pro- processes. But you're saying. It's not like that at all. Yeah. Because this is what the world looks like. Exactly. To a phenomenal... The, to us. To, yeah, yeah, to, a to being, us from this perspective. Yeah, to a being yeah. whose perception has been molded by illusion, by fitness payoffs. You exactly. Are, you are not looking at reality. Well, you but see, this is the thing. This is where I say, with spirituality and stuff, like with Buddhism and stuff, mm. their idea is about looking directly at reality. But see, it's a very small portion of the population. Maybe 0.1%, 0.01% probably of the population. So that's the thing about it. I think that that's kind of the numbers. There are, there, it's about like 0.01% or, or maybe 1% of the population comes into a more direct contact with the natures of reality through the mind. The mind itself is a nature of reality. Yeah. And it is non-sensual. It is not sense-dependent. Mm-hmm. Sense your senses can be dead but you or be off, but and you can have visions in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, so like, you have a non-sensual, non-physical element already in your experience, you know? And, the, and like, that is, like, uh, kind of the important part about a lot of it, you know? It's like that, like, the mind, you can interact with the reality of the mind, and that reality is the true nature of reality. Mm. It's not the, it's not modified, it's not the senses, it's a real nature of reality itself, mm. in, in, under the senses. So it's like, that's where we, like, we have access to, to the true nature at all times, but we don't, it's like Buddhism says, we don't realize it. Mm. Like, we have such a, like, we're in a box, and then, but some people get out of the box, and they're just in a, a box that's equally the same size and kind of the same shape or smaller, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, some people get out of 20 boxes, and they're only in a box a little bit bigger, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially with no practice, and no methods, and no techniques, and no tools, yeah, like, you difficult. really kind of leave yourself out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, that's where the, the processes and stuff are such a, like... See, I don't think you evolve, because apparently the whole species isn't evolving towards spirituality. But I mm-hmm. do think, over time, a higher portion of the population becomes spiritual. Mm-hmm. I, but, but maybe not religious, but spiritual in nature. Like, there will be, over time, a higher... Because it makes you stay in gamma states longer. Mm-hmm. A lot of the meditations and a lot of practices around the world make you have higher brainwave states and stuff. So these will be evolved into well, I was reading an article by people. The other day, we were saying... Like just 12 minutes of of, med- of mindfulness a day significantly um, enhances your ability to concentrate on other things. Like yes, like very basic things, pragmatic things like this. This is this is like yeah. putting the door. Yeah. Of society getting into these practices. They say, uh, Ram Dass says, but the 14 minutes a day, but it was like it wasn't that long. Well, Ram Dass says, or the the Hindus say that if you can clear your mind for 12 seconds, truly mm-hmm. you become enlightened. Yeah. And I think that's actually probably right. Well, but we're so we have 
thoughts that go back to when we're like three years old mm-hmm. and we're and, and emotions and feelings and all these things that are in the mind so it's like it is almost impossible unless you get build an illusionary body or mm-hmm. melt all the the Kalachakra says mm-hmm. all the drops are little bits of karma within mm-hmm. you and that but that makes sense for the other where you're burning it yeah sure and they say the drops like crystallize on the veins of light in your body like frost and the, and the, and that they and the, but the Kalachakra is the only one that says it's you're burning your karma away. Hmm. But it's interesting idea because it's kind of like that soul idea with the with the shaman where they said you have bits of your soul sure. spread out everywhere and you're trying to recollect them, you know, into the center. And it's and and it's so crazy that the shaman all over the world had that same practice of soul retrieval from the shaman in South America to the shaman in in uh, uh, Russia. Yeah. You know, so it's like you have this kind of comparative shamanism or pan or world shamanism, world mysticism that has been going on for a long time. But then you get yoga and tantra because those are more advanced practices. Mm-hmm. Like, so it takes a long time for practices so advanced to develop. You well, know? you get people like Young who talk about the the importance or at least the correlation between some like symbolic imagery and dreams and altered states of consciousness corresponding with with definite transitions or developments in consciousness yes and i was watching a video of a guy who went through the trials the psilocybin trials that cured yeah. his alcohol addiction yeah and he had a vision uh of a bottle in a desert like dissolving into the desert yeah and he said that he was cured after of his alcoholism yeah almost a life 15 years whatever after after his his, yes. his occurrence but it's like visionary experiences are a very good indication that a transformative event is occurring yes the nature of which you you don't have direct access to but it shows you hey something is going on exactly it's like a dream yeah it's like i can't tell you i can't show you directly but this is like a good indication of you know something is happening like it's exactly like a dream you know because young talks about people having dreams of of mandalas and so forth and like going up uh pyramids we'll see like uh like, you know, the the process of individualization, Jung says, leads to totality symbols. Mm-hmm. But I've had this idea recently, like, we we shed microcosms of ourselves mm-hmm. in everything we do, every word, everything, but just, like, the things around, we leave, like, trails of, of microcosms of ourselves mm-hmm. all around, you know? But Jung said, at the process of highest individuation, people start to create totality symbols of themselves hmm. and start to leave them in the world. And he called, like, Joyce's, like, uh, uh, Finnegan's Wake a totality symbol. Like, it's a symbol of all of his whole reality is in that, in uh, symbolized within that book, hmm. you know? And that's what, the more complete you get, the yeah. better your totality symbol gets, in a sense. And, and with McKenna, or like the Buddhists say... The more accurate it is, or the more true it is, the better. <laughs> and you get better and better experiences, the more true you're like, your understanding of the true nature of reality is and your symbol for that. And the better your symbols are sure. that represent that reality, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a, that is a kind of a profound thing about semiotics and philosophy and stuff too, is because, see, that's the thing. It's like, well, there just hasn't been this mix of Buddhism and high Western philosophy that needs to be, mm-hmm. and and it, like a, like having a process is where you make your imagine train your imagination, like with mandalas and sure. stuff, and then but then you start imagining stuff that's like different, mm-hmm. you know, start imagining anything you want, mm-hmm. and like all these kinds of practices are just so underutilized 
in every area of our lives. <laughs> like, every, in er, yeah, exactly. In Western culture, in every area. Like, there is not one area where it exists, mm-hmm. except it's been brought in from other places and then it's kind of grown. And some people go out and find it or, or read about it. But mm-hmm. it's like, but see, even here, it's like, it's so hard to get initiation. It's so mm-hmm. hard to get empowerment. Like, it's so hard to stay in, stay in a monastery for a, a, a month. Yeah. You can stay at a Kathmandu, Nepal, Vajrayana Buddhist monastery mm-hmm. for a week for $800. <laughs> How's, how much does it cost to get to Kathmandu, though? I mean, probably like another 500 800 bucks. I mean, but like... Might be able to find a good ticket there. Yeah, like, but but that, $800... for not much. Not compared to what you get for some of the retreats in America for like yeah. $300. You have to pay to get the ticket to Vajrasattva in that one thing. dollars to them. Like fifteen thousand, you know. Exactly, but see that, but that's like that would be way that would be probably better than anything, you know. It's doing something like that, like because because you kind of like you would get to you because well the thing that I really like too about Buddhism in certain respects is like there's so much Buddhism from Nepal and Bhutan Mm -hmm. and all these countries under Tibet and in in and around northern India Mm -hmm. that is. Not talked about all that much, but have very high Vajrayana masters, and they're vi- and they're their own kind of form of Vajrayana that is not Indian and is not Tibetan. It's like N- Nepalese, Kathmandu, Bhutan, and it's like that's the kind like that's the kind of stuff that is awesome, you know. Well, like in the Bliss of Inner Fire, I think he was he was saying things like, "Look, these practices might go out of existence, and we shouldn't let exactly. that happen." So we're gonna be publishing all this stuff. Exactly. And he he was like, "Look, you need to get initiated, man." But like, it was, and the subtext was like, "Well, maybe maybe you could you could just practice anyway." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the feeling I get is what I. Well, that's about. like uh, like. Yeah, well, see, it's like, but uh, see, I have initiation from Chagyal uh, Chag, Namkai Norbu. Like, I joined the Zongshen Society in mm-hmm. 2009, and I went, I listened to his retreats, like, all weekend retreats. Like, you had to listen to each one, mm-hmm. and, and, like, I wrote them down, some of them, I recorded some of them. Like, uh, like I wrote almost the whole teaching down with one of them, like, typed it out on my computer. Like, so, and he was a Zongshen master, and he's died now, but he was a Zongshen master, and like uh so i have in a sense had direct empowerment through uh those mm. on various times and actually very high practices and mm. ver- various ones but i don't remember them i have been tr- yeah. trying to find my list of, of the practices i have empowerments into but i also have the santana text i have the text that you use in practice like so so like uh so i do kind of have empowerment a little bit mm. you know but but it's mostly zongshin yeah. empowerment. Well, you know, I started practicing the Tumo stuff, and I was like, well, this works really well. Yeah. And uh, I just kept practicing it, you know. But that's kind of the thing. It's not, like, necessary, but it's something that I kind of wanted. I think it's good. I think it's good for the mind. I think it yeah. maybe will help. But, um, well, it's like the mind stream idea. Yeah. You know, it's, it's coming in contact with, this, like, the river of mind that's been mm-hmm. flowing through all these people. But they're just for like, a thousand years, you know? They're just good practices, you know? Like, they do yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. They are good practices, exactly. That's the thing. It, it's like, that's why I kind of want to do it right, in a sense. Because mm-hmm. I know the practices are real, and I know yeah. that they work. So it's like, it's better to do it for real. 
than to try it because i've done I, only a little bit here and there you know or, or but i've done prostrations and mantras and you know i would sit and say 108 mantras and things like that at various times well i think i told you man I, there's something because the, the tumo is is uh highly correlated with like blissful states right yeah like enjoyable like yes. physical states and like it really uh you know above everything else that i've done it more reliably and quickly reduce, induces like a physical type of euphoria yes it's very conducive for practice well they basically say it's orgasm practice yeah like they say if you can hold the hold like the drop if you drop draw this is like higher completion stage practice in certain texts but you draw the drops into a singular drop in your heart the indestructible drop in your heart mm-hmm. and then you start moving it up and down you know, and then if you can hold it in the tip of your dick, they say the tip of the the secret chakra yeah. or whatever, that it'll cause you huge amounts of bliss, but you'll come. Huh. So if you can't, if you don't come and you can hold it there, yeah. it'll take you to super bliss. Yeah. But 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 and then you send the ejaculate back up inside you to your brain. Yeah. And that's actually that's a Chinese that's in Chinese uh, sexual practices and stuff too. The guy there's like an artist guy that made he's an uh, Asian artist guy that kind of jumped on trains and stuff. His mm-hmm. videos are popular online. But he talked about doing that practice in jail because mm-hmm. he learned it from some weird Chinese book in jail in in yeah. China. And, or in Japan or wherever he was, and like uh, he started doing it, and it would work. But that's also a, 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 there are Hindu practices like that as well, because it, it it is about like holding energy down here. Hmm. But they found Huxley was uh, I think it was Huxley. But like before he wrote, he put no, it was Lily. Before before Lily wrote books, he put. talking about the importance of tumo and he talks about things like tasting the chocolate he was like hey you're not gonna practice if you're not enjoying yourself you like yeah. do this because it's really enjoyable and then do this on top of it you know yeah do exactly insight practice on top of it yeah but he had a very pragmatic approach and i think he was uh, he was teaching western audiences at the time i think the lecture was given in like france or something yeah yeah but he knew what was up he knew that that's because he was ultimately you mean yeah, lama yes yeah. Yeah. Lama Yeshi is a beast. Yeah. 
there, he, you know, he was motivated to help people, and he was like, how do you help these Western people? Oh, they, they like pleasure? Just do this. You need, like, like that tantric lecture, though. I need to go back and watch that from Lama Yassi. Yeah, but realistically, man, if you're not enjoying yourself at all, you're just, you're just not going to do stuff. Well, see, this is the thing. I think about it more, like, I played basketball when I was a kid, or whatever. Mm. Like, I think about it as, like, as not like a sport, but kind of. Like, I think about it as a thing you put a lot of effort into. Like, if you can get to the stages where you're in bliss all the time, that's that's ideal. But, like, I do think there's a lot to be said for, well, creating your own bliss and everything. Or, you know, your mind creates your happiness. It's not mm-hmm. the things outside you, even though we think it is. We mm-hmm. think it's the things outside of us, but we could be happy at any moment if we really tap into it. So it's like, that becomes, like, that is a true thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, the mind does create our emotions. So it's like... That, I mean, but see, I think, to me, the, it's about the true nature of reality. Mm-hmm. But bliss, I mean, bliss it, bliss is part of that. Well, it seems, they say it's part of it. It's a and, very good way, like, you you, uh, you analyze reality from a blissful state, you analyze yeah. the bliss, and this is a very good way to go about it. Well, and you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's the thing, like, at certain stages, you're talking about, too, it's completely, like, you're getting past the analytical mind. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no more like logic and reason about it like it's not a thing that can be logic and reason like it's a thing that happen. it's an experiential reality it's yeah. a thing you have to experience with your body and you have to yeah. modify your body a lot of times to experience it i think i mean that's exactly right because you you literally feel it in your body you really they talk about divine unification it really feels like you're coming together you're like coagulating into yeah. something more stable yeah well, it's like uh, but every every everything like depression they talk about it has like a phenomenological aspect like it changes the environment but so yeah. the meditative states and so the state yes. of insight is they change yes. they change the way you feel well, so physically <clears throat> and they they change the way the environment they change appears. the symbols you see too mm-hmm. like in anger and all these states of mind change the way you see geometries and stuff around you mm-hmm. they change what what you yeah they change everything you see and that and, that, and that's but that's the part about you know controlling getting control over the mind because once you control the mind and st- slow it down it's a different ball game you've like entered entered kind of a whole new ball game you well, know? He, the, the problem is of course is that the mind and i was reading an article about this the other day it's it's made to be moderately unhappy because it's adaptive to be unhappy and it's adaptive to be scattered by thing they're talking about if you're fishing and like you want to be in your completely focused on the fish 100 percent. you don't see the crocodile so the mind is adapted to completely to always be like looking yes. around and making speculation they call it the monkey mind too yeah because yeah. that is the thing the mind's always jumping to things all around you but things in the past as well mm-hmm. and things in the future as well imaginings of the future and that <laughs> the mind is always it's almost it's like it's in a superposition or it's like it's vibrating really fast mm-hmm. and disappearing from one place to another place it, it, it really acts like a quantum phenomenon. I mean, that's, that's why I say the mind acts like quantum phenomena. That's what it feels like. It's like yeah. the uh, the subtlety and of like a subatomic particle. Like every nothing stands still. Every time you look for something, it dissolves and something yeah. else shows up. And yeah, and things jump levels. Yeah, like it, you ha- you run around in the same place for a while, and then something happens that energizes you a lot, and you get to this new place, mm-hmm. and it's completely different, and you can start running around on this place for a while, and then you drop back down to your old energy just like uh an electron in, a, in an atom we talk it so like 
what I was often when you're meditating, but it's like, but it's it's hard to remember, and it's kind of like the phenomenon yes. of like DMT and dreaming. <clears throat> but even meditation, it's hard to remember exactly what it's like because you have to be in that state. To well, they say it's like. they say too in that state where you have no self, mm. there's no memory, mm. and people just you just act, you're just yeah. in the moment all the time. You're not thinking about the future or the past, so. They say even a lot of times the memory disappears at certain mm. sta- at certain high states because you don't need to memorize anything because you know everything in a sense like you mm. know so it's like if you need music you just create it if you need something you just make it mm. you just do it you know you like without thought in a sense it's almost spontaneous manifestation or that's the idea anyway. Well, I was meditating the other day outside, mm-hmm. and I was I thought to myself I said. I was to ask myself questions like, is this enjoyable? Yeah. Would you, do you want to be doing this or something else? And it like, it was very clear to me I'd rather be doing this. And yeah. And it was better than any, it was better than anything else I could think of doing at the time. I'd rather be doing, in that state, than be playing video games or doing yeah. anything else. And like, it was really clearly, because I really sat down and thought about it. Would I rather be doing something else? Yeah. And the answer was no. I mean... Well, see, that's a good, I mean, that's a good basis for meditation. Because, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, do want to do something else. Well, it's too easy to forget, because in dreams, in, like, lucid dream states, like, it's so much easier to remember if you think about it. Like, this is what I'm doing, and you tell yourself. Exactly. I would sometimes think, I am definitely lucid, and there's no question about it. So when you wake up, don't question if you're lucid, because you thought about, like, you did something like that. And it's very good to do with meditation as well. Yes. Because well, it's easier to, to take concepts with you because the experience is... You experience it while you're meditating, but it's so easy to forget. It's like, it's a big issue. Yes. Well, that's why I think, though, too, like, the awareness during sleep is such an important practice, too. Like, the Jed, that Vajrayana has sleep and dream yoga, too, is another thing that, like, mm-hmm. sold me, especially early on in the thought structure, because it's like keeping the clear light of awareness, like, seeing it when you hit sleep Mm -hmm. and then keeping it in a dream is very profound as well Mm -hmm. and can lead to very very deep states of consciousness seemingly and a lot of times they say too you just become aware that you're dreaming but you don't change the plot yeah you know and that's uh but that's just a that's a great like all these methods of training the awareness training the intuition training the imagination Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's what it's about it's not about really all the all the stuff you know it's about what the things do Mm -hmm. So that's why certain things are important. And even like deities and stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. about the effect it's causing within the mind. Mm-hmm. And, and the nature of the mind. And the nature of the mind's reality. Na- relationship to reality. Mm-hmm. And then the re- realities of those natures of reality. And, and, and that's like... Uh, that's the most important thing, you know. It's like you can imagine whatever the fuck you want if it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But you have like the traditions of the winds and drops and chakras and all that stuff and they're well established by geniuses like a lot of these yeah. guys are super geniuses so it's like it's like it's fine to use some of these systems mm-hmm. <laughs> because because it's like they, they've been established by hundreds of minds over thousands of years and very high quality minds who are actually doing the practices and know what they're talking about mm-hmm. especially if you look to the good ones it's like you can tell they know what they're talking about they fucking tell you exactly how it works at step by step. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy thing about Buddhism, especially Vajrayana. Is it just it's so detailed. They're like, I'm going to tell you about this. It's in five parts. Here's the first three are like this, and the mm-hmm. other two are like this. And like it's like every everything is like that. Like there's such a philosophical 
nation, you know, like, and, and not influenced by Western philosophy, you know, which is, is, is kind of the key. Where's my path? But I was reading uh, that Two Fundamental Problems of Ethics again. Uh, it's, it's very good. Because he talks about difference between causes yeah. and, like, differentiation between, like, uh, two billiard bar, bar, uh, balls hitting each other, the difference between stimulus, sure. like, plants, yes. like, relating to the... You had different chemicals, of, like, a, he calls it stimulus. Yeah. And then he has what he calls motivations, which he believe, which he says are causes that are, are actuated by abstract concepts. Mm-hmm. And this is what human beings are actuated by. They're not, at, at least mostly, that's like the human layer to it. At least we have like sure. the physical, the stimulus, but we sure. also have the motivations. Well, the, we have the ideas. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. Yeah, almost in a platonic sense, you know, mm-hmm. the, like the, the ideas do, are real. See, that's the thing I tend to say all the time. Or someone said of platonic solids, we need platonic plasmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of true. That is what's needed, though. You need We need a system that's exactly like nature, but it's Platonism. Mm-hmm. So you do have dynamic liquid crystal plasma archetypes. Mm-hmm. Instead of a solid sta- static archetype like was imagined by Plato, mm-hmm. you have archetypes as dynamic as the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. So you have things that are that are crazy dynamic, you know, and and it's like those are the archetypes, and they stretch yeah. through many dimensions, and they have like hair and stuff too. They have like weird dimensionality to them that warps dimensions in a strange way, or warps dimensions of mind in strange ways that people don't usually think of. Like like mm-hmm. archetypes are so much more complex than people than Plato gave him credit for, but he didn't have the information. He didn't have microscopes, telescopes, all this stuff to see in the cells and see atoms mm. and stuff. They, they, but they kind of, they, Democritus intuited atomism, and they, mm. and they knew about it. So it's like, they had the intuitions for a lot of this stuff, but it's like, if they would have had the instrumentation, they would be, you know, probably a lot further than we are, many of them. Well, what, he's, what he does is he he's trying to build a case that... The hierarchy of, of different motivations are are essentially a continuation of the same thing at different levels of, of complexity and yes. what he calls unintelligibility because the cause and the effect become progressively more separated in appearance. So the billiard ball hitting the other one and the other one moving, it's not very incomprehensible. Like it's relatively clear what's occurring. But then he talks about stimulus motivate or stimulus causes yeah. in plants. So a plant taking in uh, light and minerals and creating a flower. Yeah. So that is a in that case the cause and the effect are separated even more, right? Yeah. Like there's it becomes even more incomprehensible about what exactly is going on. He said it was like a seed to a tree. Yeah. Yeah. But he's saying that's like a higher level. And then human beings are even even more difficult to understand because the the difference between the causes of motivation and the effect and behavior become even more unintelligible. Well, but ultimately, there are differences. There's a Some progress, differences like, in everyone. Right, right. It's very complex. His, but he's saying like, so the billiard bar hitting the other one, like we don't really bring up questions about free will. We say, yeah, that's the case. Like it's not free to like deny the impact and the yeah. transfer of the energy. And you're saying, and the same with plants. I and mean, we can accept this largely because we know that a plant doesn't really have an option. But see, in this in this case, yeah. if if you don't give it 
the, the proper conditions, it's not going to do what it should if you don't give it light and soil. See, yeah, true. The thing that's crazy, right, is the billiard balls hitting each other. That is <clears throat> an expression of freedom. Mm-hmm. That is absolute freedom for those billiard balls. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what they want to do. And so you have this interesting element where necessity and freedom are almost the same mm-hmm. thing. And that's why necessity and freedom are a great little uh, combination, too. Because right. it's like, you have the initial action, which is like the the freedom. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the vibrations after, which is like mm-hmm. the necessity, the reflections of it. Yeah. yeah you, so you have like... Freedoms and then trails and necessity. Freedoms and then trails and necessity. Freedoms arising, trails and necessity, mm-hmm. trailing. You know, and it's like these trails and necessity get large momentum depending mm-hmm. on how much energy is they're working with, or how you know how much energy is moving, how many dimensions is moving through, what it's moving, all this kind of things mm-hmm. dictate different flows of thought, different kinds of thought structures, all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. You know, so you have like a but also you have liquid crystal properties or things like where you have sections of the things that move or they vibrate or they go back and forth mm. between all or nothing. They, they vibrate back and forth or th- between many states, probably between 50 states, 100 states, you mm. know, and, and you have th- maybe probably more than that because you have trillions of things in the body. Mm. But you have kind of this virtual field or something. It seems like the, the consciousness rides within a virtual field within the body there or there's like a virtual field within the body and that's like the energy body mm-hmm. like the energy body but it's like a field phenomenon but it's like the energy body is like the tree growing within that field or mm-hmm. it's like the the like vein structure mm-hmm. that grow that goes almost like lightning strikes like it's yeah. a it's a slow lightning strike that's veins that liquid moves through and stuff, or mm-hmm. stuff that's like liquid. But see, you have all these properties and thought structures that you have in, in properties of things in reality. Yeah. But but you can't utilize them if you don't have a, a dynamic mind and stuff. Right. And you couldn't utilize a lot of them until the last hundred years, because abstract thought just wasn't capable of moving fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like with computers, computers make us able to see things that would have taken. Uh, you like 10 years to write down on paper and mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to see it moving and, and flowing and all that kind of stuff you know yeah well he's he's working out to a definite position right and he's making an argument sure and getting examples. well see the thing is though you cause and effect the buddhists have a extensive and deep understanding of cause and effect and that's one reason why the tradition is so good because it makes it like science because science mm-hmm. is a condition of cause and effect like you have to understand deep cause and effect chains hmm. and these and but see this is where Locke I think it was or someone argued that the, that there isn't like but see the Buddhists say too it's uncaused at the at the beginning but it's useless to talk about it because it's not like cause and thoughts are all formed by well, because of causes and things he talks about causation being like a fundamental it is. Um, concept in, in the understanding right that yes it's, it's a it's it something is that's necessary for phenomenal consciousness of, of, you know, of the environment and of, and of ourselves. I would say, see, this is the thing. The concept itself is not necessary. The reality is necessary. Mm-hmm. So the, whatever the reality is of that, and that, the shape of that reality is probably mm-hmm. like an electromagnetic field or a crystal or something. The yeah. actual shape of it is a dynamic form that mm-hmm. is a realistic. It's mm-hmm. not a fucking 
one by one concept or some kind of basic thing that we think like we think it's not how no normal mind thinks it's a mm. thing that's like and it's moving super fast a lot like it's moving like it's the speed of light basically a lot of things are moving at so so you have like all, especially all light and electromagnetic fields and stuff you know so you have kind of like like there are just dynamic aspects of body and mind that we we hardly tap into at all and and we think they don't exist but evidently they do well, exist in some way because people have found them all over the world and they tell the same stories about them. right we so, say i think you would say uh that it's not that cause and effect are fundamental aspects of reality necessarily fundamental aspects of samsara but right but he's saying in in order to for a, con, a conceptual uh in order for phenomenal existence to exist you need cause and effect in, yes. order, in order for yes. perception to exist you of need course cause and effect. yes that's what the Buddhists say too. Yeah. I mean, it's all like this realm is the re- like the realm of desire is the realm of cause and effect. Like this is yeah. it's, this is the realm of cause and effect. Well, he, here's the here's but the thing. see the thing is right. Well, well, okay, go ahead. Well, is that he's building a case? Yeah. That human motivations uh, are very much akin to the billiard ball, to uh, the sure. stimulus of the plant. Of course, and he says, they are. Right, right. But he's talking, he's making a case against a particular type of freedom. He's saying human beings consider themselves free above the billiard ball, above the plant, because we have a repertoire of ab- yeah. abstract conceptualizations that motivate behavior. Yes. But we, we are not. Right. Well, he says these abstract conceptualizations that motivate motivate behavior. Yes, they're more complicated than the, than the basic stimulus and the stimulus of the plant. Exactly. But in, inherently, we are not more free by virtue of the fact that our motivations are caused by abstract conceptualizations. Like, we are just as much part of the causal order, we're just part of a higher causal order well, than, than we give credit to that. Well, see, this is the thing. The I think you're bound until you're free. Mm-hmm. So, and the only true freedom is Buddhahood. Mm-hmm. Like, or that's the only conception on this earth that we have that is... That is the exact conception of beginning free <laughs> from the wheel of reality, right? So they have the exact conception of it, right? So, like, this is the thing. As, as you drop yourself, the potentials for your reality go higher. Like, you, you gain a larger potential space. You gain more degrees of freedom. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, but they can close up again. And certain states allow for certain things to happen. It's like energy structures within reality. Only at certain energy levels, things can only do certain things. Mm-hmm. They can't do everything. They can only do what they have enough energy to do, and then they fall back into another level. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't... It's not magic. You can't do whatever you want. Everything in reality is based on how much energy it has, and that's how long it stays in existence. Mm-hmm. And then it falls back into nothing. It's like a star. Like, it explodes... Until it doesn't have any more fuel, and then it fucking turns into a black hole and starts eating everything, you know? Because it's like like things are working to try to hold existence, like and the, and but this is where the Buddhists say too, it's about things that exist for longer periods of time. Things that exist longer are important mm-hmm. a lot of times, but also you have things like coming in and out of existence instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the one thing I want to say about science. Uh, like you have 
science itself says things are 99.9% space. And now quantum physics says even these things that make up the atoms and stuff are popping in and out of existence at every moment. You know, So people say we're the same as the stardust from the beginning. Of, it's not exactly true. It pops in and out of existence at every moment. So it's actually renewed at every moment. There's a, this newness to every moment that's there, you know? And, like, this is, like, uh, the important nature of consciousness, in a sense, right. you know? It's like, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, that's funny, because Sartre mm -hmm. talks about consciousness being continually renewed at every moment. I thought yes. That was pretty... Well, see, but it's also the, the shimmering, magical display nature of reality mm -hmm. that the, exactly like the Buddhists say, science has found it way more clearly <laughs> you know they, they talk about the flickering of yeah. consciousness being a certain every so many milliseconds well yeah 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 well see it's like that that lights the three lights mm. i think that's the flickering of consciousness mm. that's the flickering of consciousness that people are talking about is the three lights or or the your your vision is flickering from light to black light to black light to black light to black mm. and that's what we mostly have is a is a is a I even have in here some numbers about frames of consciousness per second where people have talked about it. It's like mm. 200, 700, whatever. Mm. But like, but that's the thing. Consciousness is a reducing value. Mm. The unconscious and subconscious mind are involved with more than the conscious mind. Mm. More information, more energy, but mm. you don't recognize it and you don't utilize it. And if you don't know about it, you completely ignore it. Sure. And then... Sometimes, right after someone figures out there's an aspect of reality they previously didn't know, then they use that aspect for the rest of their life. And that aspect, that new aspect of reality changes their life completely. It's something they've dreamed of for years and years and years. Someone's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's one of those. You just have to get it from this people or whatever, you know? So you have all these strange situations, you know, where new aspects of reality modify all feelings and actions of a person's being. Mm -hmm. and But really... Every moment, we're interacting with trillions of aspects of reality. Every molecule, every atom, everything is an aspect of reality. So you have trillions and trillions of realities interacting with each other at different levels. And they're harmonizing with each other at different levels. Like, that's how they're interacting. It's kind of, they're harmonizing, but they're sharing superpositions. So they're sharing degrees of freedom. The superposition of their degrees of freedom so they're existing with inside of each other. Mm. Like, and that's, that's the thing that's the key to the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. Or the, to the nature of the lower nature of reality. Is things, we see everything as separate. Mm. But it is like a oneness. Everything exists inside the, of each other. That's the dashboard. It's like, yes. th whatever's happening is extremely complicated. And it's not all that important for your personal survival. So this, this is what you well, get. But you, see, you get a dashboard with Well, but see, icons. this is the thing. Like, I think... To me, I think I can open my mind up to the full nature of reality. Mm -hmm. I think, and that's what Buddhism is for. And I think, mm -hmm. like, if you practice these imagination practices, if you practice these intuition practices, if you practice a lot of these practices, too, like, as hard as you can, and if you really try sincerely to do the practices and you do the practices, mm -hmm. I think you can unlimit the mind in ways that we currently don't understand and well, don't all, see at all. All the Western, the Western people I've been looking at that's, that talk about this dashboard idea, yeah. Or not? They don't say. Therefore, we can never access reality. They actually say it's possible to do so. Sure. But he's just saying, realize that you're living in a in a, simu a simulation well, that is generated by 
generated by evolution. See, based, this based is the thing. Fitness payoffs. Well, 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 it's based on a lot of things. Well, that's what we live in. It's based that's, on a lot of things. It's not just based, based on payoffs. It's based on celibacy. It's based on people mortifying you know, themselves. Perce- it's based on all kinds perception of perception. Was based on fitness payoffs. Based on but in, but in, that's not being, like living in the environment. This is the thing. Beings have experienced bliss. In all states, in all moments, animals experience bliss. You can tell that they experience pleasure and all this kind of stuff. You have states of bliss in flowers. You have states of bliss, like, same as we have states of bliss, you have states of bliss in everything. And things are chasing these states of bliss. And some things are chasing the chasing the machine. Some things are the machine. Most 90% and 99% of the things is the machine. But the machine is chasing freedom and bliss. And the machine wants freedom and bliss. And, like, at every stage it wants freedom and bliss. It wants more energy. It wants energy. It wants to eat energy and modify it into itself. Turn it into its, turn it into bits of itself so it can extend itself. Well, I think so there, it can extend its reality. There's a competition between, like, a homeostatic inclination and a developmental evolutionary well, development. Well, but it's about symbiosis. Like, there's a certain amount of symbiote, like, it's about, like, but it is, it's about your will, too. Like, it's about your effort. Like, if you don't want to do it, if you don't put any effort into it, if you don't, it's not going to happen. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to exist for you. That's, that's the world. That's the way the world is. And, like, that's the thing that a lot of, like, the mind is the nature that no one knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's and it can force itself to do things. Yeah. Like you can force yourself to put your hand in boiling water. You can mm-hmm. force you can kill yourself. You can you can control your mind complete as completely as we know. Mm-hmm. You can you can pick the exact second of your death. Mm-hmm. Like so so like if you do it right, if you know how to do it, if you know where to shoot, if you know what to do, you can you can do it in many ways and, and die at the exact second you want to. Like, this shows a power over death, in a sense. But we already have a power over death because our cells die inside of us every day and they're renewed at 6 and 12 and 24-hour cycles. Mm-hmm. So we, have our, we are a shimmering effect of renewed life every day. Death and life, death and life. Life is shaped by death in the womb. Like, the... A baby, it starts out as like has webs between its hands, and then those cells die, and it gets a fingers. Mm-hmm. So you're shaped and sculpted by death, and mm-hmm. but life, life and death are the same thing. It's like non-dualism in a sense, but you have to get over the dualism because it's the same. It's a higher third thing if you want to look at it in another way, like oneness. It's a higher third unity, but it's actually none of that. That's just thought schemas we use to get a handle on it intuitionally. It's it, those are just like symbols we use for it. Like mm-hmm. it's actually something truly different. It's actually something real and transcends all of our imagining. But mm-hmm. our imagining creates virtual realities or creates these unreal realities that we exist within sometimes our whole lives and for 99.9% of the time, unless you uh, try to change it. Well, that's unless like, you try to alter your body in a, in a, an extreme way or something, or you alter your mind. At the beginning of Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, Nietzsche talks about uh, the necessities of, of falsehoods. And yes. That perhaps falsehoods are more desirable, and in, 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 as far as survivability goes. Yes. And basically, what these well, this is have, as if philosophy, too. Right. Right. Yeah. Weihinger is. I believe heavily that Weihinger is complete. One of the greatest philosophers in the last 150 years. Like right. it's ne- it's necessary illusions. But like they're necessary falsehoods. Perceptual. Sure. Con- he's not talking yes. about cons- concept, but perceptual concepts. No, he, yeah. but he's. But you got to read Weihinger's book, dude. But, he, but 
That's He's talking about every concept you can imagine. We, we, yeah, right, right. But we, we live in artificial, largely false, right? Yeah. Perceptual constructs. Exactly. But this is the thing. Like Buddhism and stuff, mm-hmm. they're talking about the truth of truth, finding the nature of reality. Like literally talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and like you have, like even our concepts, right? This is the thing. Even though we have concepts, the concepts are from like the Platonic ideals, a lot of them. So they're things that are realities for many people in their experience. Well, they're like abstractions derived no, from experience. Well, the concepts it. are, but the actual natures of the reality, it's just like with numbers, right? You can turn ev- all of this into numbers, mm. right? But it isn't numbers. Like, it's not numbers. Atoms aren't numbers. Like, mm. all these things. Like, But there are things like numbers... But the things like numbers are like archetypes, like constants, physical constants, mm-hmm. the the co- mathematical constants. These are like forms within nature, you know, that everything follows. Like we we kind of ride within within upwellings of energy. Like that's what everything is is trying to occupy dimensions of energy, all the way down to the lowest dimension. Like they're trying to occupy as much space and that energy potential and actual energy mm-hmm. that th- that it can like extend itself as far as it can everything is driven towards low energy states right yes yes well that well in in physics mm-hmm. in, in in normal physics but you're talking about the mind dude you're mm-hmm. talking about people that are able to lay under the ground and get eaten by ants well that's and shit like you're talking about like the the potential of the human mind and body is unknown like, but you, if you're talking about normal people, mm. you can fucking talk about normal people all day long, dude. Mm. Like, that's the thing. I don't give a fuck really Please, about but... talking about normal people. Like, I give a fuck, I like talking about sages, tantrics, all these kinds of things. Like, mm. but you're going to interact with normal people most of the time unless you put yourself in monastery or unless you do something to alter your surroundings. But, like, it, like normal, like, yes, normal people or normal people in states of mind are always going to be in those states of mind <laughs> Going to be a, in illusions and in falsehoods and in misapprehensions that are bad. Many of them are bad. There are some illusions and falsehoods that are fine to have mm-hmm. your whole life. You can have them your whole life and it's not that big of a deal. But there are many that if you have just for a few years, it becomes a huge mm-hmm. deal. So so it's like they're like Christianity and stuff or all the religions in a sense. They all live or all many every idea is false in a sense. Like every idea is a man-made falsehood for mm-hmm. our experiential reality. Like, like none of the things are what we say we are. None, that's why the Buddhists say it's a non-conceptual reality. Like, the fundamental nature of reality is non-conceptual. Because, like, the concepts don't matter. <laughs> it's the realities that matter. Like, you can have the concept of a car, dream of a car. It doesn't matter until that car fucking hits you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's the reality versus the vision. Like, you can visualize it all day long, but then once it happens, it mm-hmm. fucking breaks your bones and stuff. Well, Aaron was... That's not a thought. That's not a concept. Saying that a plane, That's not getting hit by a concept, you know? Saying that a plane was a human construct. And I was like, what are you talking about? A plane is an actual thing that you can get inside. No, but a plane is a human construct. See, that's the thing. At base, the plane is an idea. Mm. You can put that plane... The schematics for that plane, for every part of that plane, you can put it on a piece of paper, mm. and that's what the engineers build it from, is a piece mm. of paper. But you can shrink it down and put it in a computer. You could sort it on DNA if you wanted the, the to. Blue, the blueprint and so forth, yes. No, the idea. It, yeah. it, it's, it, the idea is more than the physical objects that represent yes, the idea. Yes, but it goes to what you're saying. You don't have to build 
uh, a, a construct of a car before it hits you. You don't exactly. have to know anything about it. You don't it. have to think exactly. It has, a, think it has a definite it. aspect that is not a human construct by any means. It exactly. Is. It's non-conceptual and it's not. It's not part of thinking. It's not mm. part of like. That's the point. There's a hard edge to reality that will kill you instantly if you lose awareness for two seconds. Mm. Like there are thousands of hard edges to reality. To, that's why they, it's called the like place of swords or or their hells of all those knives and stuff is because like the nature of reality is a million knives pointed at you at you all the time that you're kind of dodging around but we as mm. humans have evolved in such a way that we can dodge dodge a lot of it fairly mm. well for about a hundred years you know in some people's lives or 80 years but it's like but I, in a sense, like to talk about the extraordinary abilities of the human race, you know? And what can be achieved if people act abnormally I for mean, many years of their lives. That's you know? uh, an important part of the puzzle. Yeah. But also you get a heck of a lot out of understanding about the where, the where people, most people are at. But see, and why they see things exactly. the way they do. But that gives you a very good understanding about why you are the way you are. And it gives you understandings about how things work and ultimately yes. how, to, how to use things, right? But see, this is the thing. I have spent a lot of time asking myself the questions you asked me. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's what I did for years was ask myself these questions in meditation. And especially when I first started, like, when I was super angry that Kristen broke up with me with Justin. And mm-hmm. I really started meditating in the closet, in the darkness, mm-hmm. multiple times a day for hours sometimes mm-hmm. and sitting and being like why is this why am i angry at this mm-hmm. why does this anger arise why and i'm not a sage i can't get over the anger i feel the anger completely it's not like it goes away or whatever and i get caught i get will get caught up in it and follow the thought trains for hours and things like that mm-hmm. but but also i've asked myself or the internet every question i've ever had Mm. And like that's the key in a sense. It's like you at certain points you have to get to where you can like recognize the true nature of reality as it is for yourself. Like and a lot of times in and of itself doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't matter if you know something in and of itself. Like if you know the inside of this room in and of itself, all the atoms and all that kind of stuff, it's not really gonna do that much for you. That's why spirituality is kind of limited in certain ways. It's because like People didn't have science and technology and stuff. They didn't have ways to move a lot of stuff. So it's like, what what, what good is it that you can be inside of a wall or something? Like it doesn't matter. Like, mm. like, like you, like at a certain point, none of that kind of shit matters. Like it doesn't matter where you walk to, what island you go to, what country you go to, what what people you talk to, or whatever. At a certain point, all that is moot. Like it it falls to pure experience of the actual natures of reality. And then you actually get knowledge and wisdom about the mm-hmm. thing. Like, you can you can copy it from other people and stuff, but it's like, there's a certain time where you have to get, you have to step into the unknown. Well, there, there's just a massive you know? disconnect. Because, yeah, I mean, there, there's something uh, obviously occurring when a person is hit by a car. And again, they don't, they don't have to understand what's happening, right? But even if they did, they feel the impact, they feel... The sense of well, the texture and hardness, and they see the color of it. But again, this, all, all these these aren't privileged access to reality. Like, what it what is actually happening? You don't know. I mean, this is the phenomenal interpretation of what's occurring, and something is occurring. But you don't have act like to you don't have access to the machinery that's what's producing producing these phenomenal representations, right? You don't have access to the electron gates in the computer, right? You see a screen. Yes. Right? Well, see, like. 
when I fell down with being Ben Austin we're going to smoke mm-hmm. went to a ditch mm-hmm. right stepped out I've never knocked myself out completely in my life except for that time mm-hmm. I woke up and I had no memory of what happened I woke up in the water I still don't have the memory of what happened mm-hmm. I don't know what happened sure. I woke up after well I had some I had some weird subtle stage consciousness right before I woke up and then woke up but like Right when I woke up, I didn't know what happened, and I couldn't see, because mm-hmm. I was, like, blind because I hit my eye up here or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I couldn't see. I felt drunk, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know who I am, like, for the first couple seconds. I don't know what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. It takes a couple seconds for your brain to kick back on, you know, instead of dying, instead of going into shock and dying, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, but Ben yells my name repeatedly. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, each time he says my name, I come back a little bit to consciousness, come back a little bit to consciousness, come back a little bit. And then I finally wake up, like, I'm able to move my body, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened? And, like, I couldn't see or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I put together is I s- stepped out and slid and hit my head on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, I, no one saw it. Ben didn't see it. So, yeah. like... No one knows what happened. You're lucky you weren't sucking in that creek water. Well, but see, the thing is, I'm lucky I didn't die. Mm-hmm. I could have died, and I wouldn't have known at all. I would have instantaneously clicked off dead with no memory mm-hmm. of the few moments. And that's the thing about tragedy, especially brain tragedies. Mm-hmm. It destroys memories. And it destroys mm-hmm. memories of the time when it happens. Then okay. some people never get those memories. It's not you're not able to get those memories back because your brain wasn't forming memories at that point because it was fucking knocked the fuck out. It's like anesthesia. You know? People don't develop memories. Yeah, anesthesia. exactly. But like your brain's like hitting against the side of your head, so the, a lot of the neuron, the, this ha- part of the brain is like going out or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like what you know if you or if you get whatever. Like that part of the brain is literally gone. So, so you get gaps, you know, and like, and no memory formation in those gaps because you're literally getting hit by a physical object on the places that form memories, <laughs> you know. So, like, like, but I use this as a thing to say, like, you could die instantly and not even know. You could, you, you could trip at any moment, fall into the corner of this wall, and you would, you would, you could die, and you wouldn't even remember. That's the way to get out. Well, no, I mean, Sarah, there, I knew a girl. Her mom died that way in high school. Like, but, like, this is the thing. You got to get over the fear of death, and that's the hardest thing. That's the truly the hardest thing, is getting over the fear of death. And I have a huge fear of death. Because mm. I have a huge, like, love for myself, in a sense. But I have a huge, and love for reality, and love for nature, love for the true nature of reality. Mm. Like, I, uh, but, Yamataka, right, is the death of death. Mm. And, like, that is, that is one of the, that is one of the things that you got to recognize. Because it's not death. Just like just like the walls on the wall and the trees on the tree, death isn't death. Life isn't life. It's really something larger than that. It's something beyond what we know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the real that's the real ticket, you know. Is it's like, it's not what we think it is, mm-hmm. it, and it's not what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's neither of those things. It's something. It's it's not none of no one, no human has ever figured it out. Mm-hmm. And that and that and like Vihinger, dude, like so. Everyone has proved, every human has proved that falsehoods, a, a beautiful b- structure of falsehoods, can get you through life fine. <laughs> you don't need to know anything about reality at all. And you can get through reality fine. I can't like, uh, like 
false axioms are actually more adaptive, adaptive than true ones. Things like a, g- a gun is always loaded is something that's very adaptive. And, but of course, guns sometimes well, are unloaded. Well, so that's yeah. what you have to. Well, you have like a magician, right? Like mm-hmm. a stage magician. Like a, like that doesn't have magical powers. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it's easier to trick a logical mind than it is an irrational mind. Because the logical, the logical mind is what's tricked in a magic show. Because you think something should happen, and then it doesn't happen. And you go, oh, wow, the thing that I thought would happen didn't happen. Yeah. And it, But it's a trick, usually. There's some other thing to it that you don't see that mm. makes it work, right? Yeah, well, if you see an image, and it's actually a reflection in a mirror, and it does something crazy that no physical object could do what you thought it was a physical object, that would blow the mind. Exactly. you have a definite expectation. Exactly. This goes back to the Jewish thing, the lamp. It lasted a few more days than yeah. normal. But that's a fucking miracle, because every phenomenon is the same all the time. You burn oil for thousands of years, it only lasts five days. You burn oil, it lasts ten days. What to, you know, you're going to, that's, that is a miracle. Like, that's, that's a really interesting symbol mm-hmm. of showing that, with a lot of times, really, things maybe last microseconds longer than they should, and we wouldn't know. Like you, basically, everything is a miracle, or could be a miracle, and we wouldn't even know. Like everything could be stretching a little bit beyond the nature of reality that we are privy to, and and it wouldn't even matter. And and like and it is that way. Like everything is stretching beyond the natures of the realities that we know a little bit, and it doesn't matter at all. Like that. Like, like, but. It all depends on what you want, you know? Like, I I like the mind. I like the intellect. I believe in the intellect as a path of spirituality. I believe in an intellectual spirituality. I believe in a philosophical spirituality. Like, I believe, like, these things are the key, some of the keys to nature, you know? Because they work, and they're the same. Like, mm-hmm. and, the, and the thing about Buddhism, too, is this is the same from the beginning to the end. You just add complexity and complexity. Well, Vajrayana... You're just adding levels and layers of complexity, layers and practices, but it's still foundationally and fundamentally the basic practices. Mm-hmm. And that's such a that's just so strong, you know. But see, fundamentals. It's like with sports again. It's like it's important. Like if your fundamentals are really good, mm-hmm. you're gonna be really good. Mm-hmm. Like if you can dribble with both hands, if you can switch the ball back and forth, if you can do all that, if you can shoot from there, like. It's 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 like about the nature of your effort, the nature of your will, what you want to do. People are worse at certain sports because they don't have the will, they don't have the want, they don't have the want to score the goal, or whatever, or but or they do, but it's not as as amped up as it is in, in this other person, you know. Mm. It's like like you have like. Like sports, that's why a lot of these things, well, they're systems of training the mind and training the body. So they have very a lot of similarities to systems of training the mind and training the body and spirituality, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're learning to use your peripheral vision, not use your just your straight-on vision. Learning to see things beside you that aren't in your straight vision. Just that plants a thing in your subconscious that there are things going on outside of your vision all the time that you can't see you know but sometimes you pick it up and your head instantly turns but you don't do that your body does that like you don't choose to do that you do it instinctually your body does it instinctually and that that's like the see that's where well bergson said right intuition and instinct are intimately related to each other they're like the poles 
two opposite poles. Mm-hmm. Like instinct becomes can do things intuition can't, and intuition can do things like uh, that instinct can't. You know, but they can also. Uh, so it's like they're also they're like the negative image of each other in a sense, and it's such a genius. Like you, you should definitely read Creative Evolution sometime. Cause it, uh, see that's instinct and that's reason. Uh huh. See. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And they realize we're better together. That's yeah. what they do. That's nice. That's what Schopenhauer talks about. Yes. But see, the thing is, instincts they found can change all the way up until a child's birth from the womb. So there are certain instincts, like if the temperature is different. Mm-hmm. In certain, like if it's really cold or compared to really hot, if there's certain pressures on the body, if there's certain chemicals in the air, chemicals in the water that the person's drinking, the, or the chemicals in the drugs even, can, can alter the instincts up until the moment of birth mm-hmm. in a child. And that's the thing. Our instincts, or whatever it is, we don't know what instincts are, no one knows what they are, but they modify all the time. Mm-hmm. And we have certain modifications, and like the duck. They say that it imprints its mother, but they found it just imprints a shape. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even need to imprint its mother. It just prints an upright shape. So it imprints people's neck. Mm-hmm. They imprints this this shape from your from your side of your head to your shoulder. Like, so that shows that at the fundamental natures of thought, mind is working with very simplistic shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it uses even like water crystals and stuff. Water crystals it uses as like a simplistic language because the first like six water crystals make up the basic geometries. They're they're like a line. A line, a triangle, a square, and then f- certain combinations of those. But it's like just a line, a triangle, a square. You have a language, like you have a you you have a tool language, like a like almost like a computer language, like a like a machine language that that cells use that is based on shapes and forms mm-hmm. that that are that are that are like going through their like ticker taping through their body or something, yeah. you know. Like flowing through, like that. But that's why I say, like everything is so much more dynamic than people give it credit for, and it's so much stranger than we give it credit for. Everything we do works to minimize strangeness, and works to keep the mind out of fear and keep the mind out of discomfort. And strangeness is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, like all the virtual realities or all these overlay realities we do, is to make ourselves more and more comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's like. Uh, well, that's like the comfort zone kind of thing, you know? And really, like, there's the King Arthur story, right? When the knights left King Arthur's court, he told them all to go in different directions, right? Mm-hmm. And so they all just started off in direct, one into the forest, one into, like, even if it was straight into the forest, they rode right into the forest, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like uh, it, you know? It's like, some people take the path. Everyone takes the path. The path is easy. That's why Buddhism is such a gentle and baby step thing, because it takes you down the path. It it'll it'll skip you down the path or, or run with you down the path, however you want. But yeah. some people, you have to cut your own path into mm-hmm. the woods, like with a machete. Like there's no road, so you have to fucking cut your own road, you know. And that's the the trailblazers, these things. Like that's the that's the people that's kind of leading humanity in a lot of respects, you know. But 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 then it's held up by the normal people. <laughs> they they start using the new road and they get benefit from it that they weren't getting from the old roads, you know. So it's like it's a mutual, it's a mutual kind of thing, you know. Because a lot of times society pushes the people to cut their own roads, 
Like they they wouldn't have got there if they weren't forced by the forces in society to go in a different direction or see a different thing than every everybody was seeing. It's like Schopenhauer says too. Genius sees this target that you know talent you know talent hits a target in the center. Genius hits a target that the talent can't even see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that. Like it's playing a different ball game. Mm-hmm. And it, and there's a, there are certain levels where like you can instantaneously do things that you otherwise would have to do in a thousand steps. But There's a good example of that. That that guy was talking about, like how uh, space time is is, is uh, not looking good in the in the in physics. They say because you'll do these uh, observations about the breakdown of subatomic particles, and if you do it, and if you take into account space time in the equations, you get like. 1300 pages and you're like this is way too complicated but if you take away space time and you, and you do the calculations you get like one simple thing and he said it's like a lot of the people these guys have won like field medals and so forth like people top their field say like the space time model the physics is like is, is numbered yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it is it is but we will come to a new science and a new quantum physics new physics everything there will be something new uh, one thing. See if you could find different strains of weed that doesn't make you lose memory, mm. or lower like coke and caffeine. Well, that kind of stuff yeah. that, like makes people memorize things. That's why lecturers use coke a lot and yeah. all and Freud and stuff because it makes you not lose your place. Nicotine is a huge. Yeah, one. like a lot of writers use nicotine. Yeah, exactly. Any kind of stimulant like that stimulants, but they don't make you lose your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, like, it brings you, you down. Because it's like the, well, it's like I think I think what happened. Is you know the little vacuoles in your memory that we stole from viruses to create memories? Mm-hmm. Like there's these little vacuoles and they're full of chemicals and they cross the synapses, you know, and go into and and melt into the melt into the neurons. When you smoke, mm-hmm. at that second, you're replacing oxygen and all of the elements that are in here mm-hmm. with the, the bo- elements in your body are getting replaced with these elements. So for that second, these chemicals are getting in that vacuole where they're competing for spaces mm-hmm. in the in the receptor and in the vacuoles. So like for that second, when there's a cloud of of molecules flowing through your body, mm-hmm. it's competing with your the chem- chemicals in your body for those spaces. So it's taking the place where memory would usually go. It's mm-hmm. taking the molecules in there and it's in there. Mm-hmm. Just like I say, nitrous works a little bit too. Like nitrous, mm-hmm. like when you hit nitrous, you're replacing oxygen with NO2. Mm-hmm. So normally, where oxygen would plug in, you're plugging in NO2. Mm-hmm. And so this is why you get this clipping effect, where you're slowing down your perception because, like, the the you're getting an oxygen molecule every few times and a nitrogen molecule every few times and then an oxygen nitrogen oxygen nitrogen mm-hmm. so you're getting this effect where you get this like wah wah or like this this uh, clipping effect or whatever because it's like you're you're literally sending clouds of molecules through your body and at that time they are taking primacy over mm-hmm. the endogenous chemicals well, in you your know, body you know like sound vibrates differently in different atmospheres yeah it kind of feels like that yeah it's like you yeah know what I mean? it is like that it is exactly like that like and it is well the medium is very important That's what it feels like yeah the medium and in it's mediums inside of mediums so you got like in the atmosphere see we think the atmosphere we model it like a liquid and it moves like a liquid mm-hmm. so really you could think of think about us inside an ocean we're really inside an ocean of air. Sure. 
And there's the ocean of water, but the air sits right above the ocean of water. But mm-hmm. we're literally inside an ocean that we don't even recognize, sure. you know? And like, and it's moving around us all the time, well, and it's invisible. You don't notice it until you take all the air, see, like, out of a huge metal structure, it'll, like, collapse. Exactly. Or if you take a ruler and you, you take a newspaper yeah, and on top yeah, of yeah. it, you yeah. break it. But, yeah, you don't notice it most of the time. And see, that's, like, uh, see, that kind of stuff, see, this is the kind of stuff, like... See, like the Buddhists say, we think things exist one way, but they actually don't exist that way. They exist in another way. And if you know how they actually exist, as opposed to how you think they exist, Mm -hmm. then you get a better interaction with that nature of reality. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal, in a sense, is you're creating better and better. Well, and that's the goal of like science and stuff. You're creating better and better metaphors Mm -hmm. to get closer and closer and closer to the true nature. It's almost like taking a photograph. Like, at sciences especially, but you're getting closer and closer to the nature of reality where you almost want a one-to-one representation of reality. Mm. And that's... Of the the behavior. Yeah, but of of everything. With, like, because some of the early, like, the the early Tutriana stuff, like, you have examples where he's talking about uh, very basic things about the mind. He just says, like, if this happens, then this will happen. If this is present, this is also present. If this doesn't happen, this doesn't happen. If this isn't present, this is not present. Well, see, like this, right? But you're talking about behaviors. Well, well, see, like this. Like, if I think, if my model of this chair is in a different shape than this chair, Mm. it could lead to dangers. I could walk in the chair, trip over the chair, all this stuff. So my model of the chair has to be exact. But see, the thing is, we don't really need a model of the chair. You can just walk into the chair and it doesn't matter or whatever. But, but the mind has created a model so we, can, so we can move around and stuff. But see, the thing is, the mind wants a closer and closer and closer model to the actual natures of reality so it can interact with them, so it can move them, so it can shape them, so we can put mind into them and move them around like the mind is seeking more and more accurate descriptions of reality mm. and like that's why we have science and physics and quantum physics is because a certain portion certain portion of humanity is seeking more accurate images of reality but mm. those more accurate images of reality are coming from advanced experimentation a lot of these more accurate images of reality we can't even use yet because people don't know how they work but that, but we're seeing exactly what's happening, but we don't even understand it, and we can't use it. So it's like, like, that's a big thing too. It's like we're using instrumentation. We're using non-human, non-self technology techniques to see into nature further than humans have ever been able to see into the natures of reality before. You can watch videos of atoms, watch videos of molecules, watch videos of of another planet's atmosphere, Mm. like all this kind of stuff. And even that, though, even that video is just visible light. You're not seeing the UV rays. You're not seeing the the gamma rays. You're not seeing the X-rays. You're not seeing uh, uh, infrared. Like, you're not seeing, like, uh, all kinds of... And maybe more than that. You're probably not seeing... There's probably more energy spectrums that we don't know about. That we currently don't know about because we don't have the instrumentation to see it. Mm-hmm. Like we're not looking right in the right way. I mean, there's definitely a limit, right? Like yeah. We can only see so far. Well, and the two, and then the two truths, right? Mm-hmm. The two truths. Science, we have the wave particle model. Mm-hmm. Even this science has come to a model of two equally valid truths. 
right? Mm. But see, the thing is, there are billions of truths. Because every person has their own truths. Mm. So you at least have bil- a few, a bit, 7 billion, eight, almost 8 billion, right? So, so, but you truly have bit, trillions. <laughs> you have trillions of truth values. But truths, many times, aren't real. And they don't need to be real. They just need to be ideal. They need to be mm. proof of concept. You just need a proof of concept. You don't need to do it a th- thousand times and do it with every number and all different variation and stuff. You just need the proof of the concept, and then it works infinitely. It's just like a, a electric motor, right? If you have an electric motor, 2,000 years from now, if you clean off all the rust, like if you found it underground, like it was completely rusty, didn't work, whatever. Mm. If you take it, clean it off, make sure all the connections are there, and, and, and like... Literally just clean it off, take all the rust off of it, and give it a power source. It'll work 10,000 years from now mm-hmm. as it works now. Because it's a, it's a fundamental nature of reality. It's not mm-hmm. the object that's working. Really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a plane, you know? It's like a plane gets to a point to where it overtakes gravity and mm-hmm. starts to fly, you know? It's when one force overtakes another force. You know, then you can get beyond the normal limitations. Mm. Like, but you have to, with a plane, it's all about the shape of the wing. The mm. shape of the wing allows it to fly, right? And so, so it's all about form. Form equals function. Mm. Form, everything at the lowest levels is what it's, its shape is its function. Mm. Its form is its function. At the lowest levels, they're united. And it's kind of like the uniting of, of wisdom and method, you know? that's why like but it's like you have like balls of like like forces balls of balls of like wisdom and 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 like it it, see emptiness is such a good thing because everything is just like arising and falling arising and falling arising and falling you know Mm. and it's like that but it doesn't need to be an absolute existence obviously Mm. like you don't need like but see i think like plato's right though like hydrogen doesn't decay so you have one element that doesn't decay Mm. and it's the basis of all the other elements Mm. and that's what it is in real life it's like that Mm. (laughs) and like but you can heat hydrogen up and get the electron off of it Mm. hydrogen can lose that electron so it can't decay but you can you can change it Mm. so you have this strange element that's undecayable but Mm. it can be like you can separate the the electron from the from the nu- nucleus if you, you have, have a high enough energy. What do you have when you lose an electron? You just have a hydrogen atom and a free electron. Because oh. free there are free electrons in the air all the time and stuff. Mm. There are free electrons everywhere. There are free electrons in the body. Mm. Free ions, free crystals, free little cells and stuff. Like there are always free radicals in every system. Uh, and it, but like in health, like free radicals can be very bad. Like, if your body stops getting rid of... See, that's the thing that, you know, a lot of people come out and say vitamins aren't real or things like that, you know? Because the thing is, if your body wasn't making those vitamins, you would die in, like, 15 minutes with a lot of them. <laughs> like, 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 your body has to be removing toxins and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. but, but your colon can be impacted and you can get colon cancer and stuff. So there are buildups of toxins at certain times, but that's kind of... A uh, uh, airy fairy way to think about it, because yeah. your body is really trying to get rid of everything all the time. Because like, if something builds up for just a short period of time, you're gonna die. I think it's pretty quickly. A small amount of free radicals is like is okay. But yeah. Just like past a certain point. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing. That's it's just like with people or with cells or anything. 
Or, but you want people that are free. You want aspects that are free. And you want aspects that are bound. Mm. You want aspects that are bound within, within the workings. And you want aspects that can be transferred between. So you need free elements. Because the free elements are used for communication, in a sense. Like, there's a lot of actually interesting ways you could go with that. Because, like, uh, Hermes and stuff is the god of communication and stuff. And the things like... 